You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Nishalom, this is Gonic Literature as special Shavuos edition. Um, there is actually literature that was written and was said in many, many communities for hundreds and hundreds of years. In And it seems that Bovel, uh, and whether it was Gaonim themselves who wrote it or other rabbinic figures that the Gaonim, you know, sort of gave their seal of approval to, there is Gaonic uh, writings, uh, poems, we would call it, uh, that are called the Azharos, the Azharot. And these Azharot were said on Shruos. And then the Rambam was so frustrated by these Azharos, uh, because what were the Azharos? They were lists of all the mitzvot. And once the Bahag had become famous and circulated, the Bahag's list of 613 mitzvot um, sort of became a standard, although it wasn't you know, terribly poetic, um, it became a standard for other sorts of poetic works from uh, whether it would be Gabiro or it would be uh, Repuyahu Hazoken. Um, and these Asharos, the Rambam felt, were, were wrong because they were trying to count mitzvos that weren't really mitzvos. And he, of course, uh, begins with the Bahag, but he also mentions the fact that these Azharos that have sprung up and have become so popular to, for people to say on Shruos uh, were written by poets and not by Tamir HaChachamim. But it's the Tamir HaChachamim who sometimes served as the basis for these Azharos that the Rambam can't understand how they can count Ner Hanukkah as a mitzvah or Halil as a mitzvah. Or... Now today, I, you do find Azharos still being said as part of the Tikkun Leil Shruos, there in this in some of the Sfardi Machzorim and the Sfardi uh, of Tikkun at night, they will, as the night is fading, one of the things they do is go through all the mitzvahs of the Torah. But in the time of the Gaonim, uh, when this minig was being spread, was was spread, this was actually done uh, on Shruos, and it seems to have been done. On the second, the the first and second day of Shruos during Musaf, so it wasn't something that was done at night. It was became part of the davening, and it's almost like we know that by the time the Gaonim period ro- rolled around, the Musaf of the first day of Pesach, the Musaf of Shmini Atzeres had uh, Hosafos. It had, of course, Tal and Geshem, and normally. Uh, uh, unlike Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, the Musaf of most of the uh, holidays didn't have piyutim in the Shemona Esrei. This actually had Azharos in the Shemona Esrei itself. Shatz, kivin shemagia, ish kemat nas yodoi, kevirkos Hashem melekech asher nosan All of a sudden there'd be a break. Not a break, they would stop. Maskil Azharos. And then after all the Asaras were said, which took quite a bit of time because they were a poetic description of sometimes 613 and sometimes more, sometimes less, mitzvos. And then they would say Vahasiyenu. Rav Sadyagon, in his sitter, said, 
you would say all these taryag mitzvos. When would you say them? You would say them, and of course he had his own uh, payot that represented the taryag mitzvos, which he called Es Hashem he put them after the korbonos. In other words, we know before we say, you know, before before we before we uh, we, we describe the korbonos. After we describe the korbonos, that's when he had before Elohim of Lasseinu Melech Rachamon. And as it says here, Bisfard Nogu Kirav Amram Goin. In Sfard, in Spain, they would actually continue to do this even post the period of the Goonim. Until there was a pushback saying, no, no, we, we, we shouldn't actually uh, interfere in the Chazar Sashats. Maybe we should say it before, maybe we should say it, you know, earlier in Shachris or after Kriya Torah. But for, for hundreds of years, it was said in the middle of Shemana Esrei, and it was said, or what we call the Amida, and uh, he actually brings here that they found in the Geniza. Uh, uh, a siddur that said we should say the ashara atahin chalta. It should be it should be said before v'tita and lanu. In other words, right before that, which goes which is very early. Vatita and lanu is like in the right as kedushas hayom is being said right before you say vatita and lanu. Mention this this huge long ayat with all the mitzvos in it. Um, in Germany. These Azharas were being said, like Rafsadia, right after the words Shnei Smidim Kihil Chasam, Shnei Tikil Chasam, they would go on and, and do all these Azharas. Now, um, he says in France there was a third minug, which was right by the words Kakasuv Bisarasecha, Shawash Pamabashana. Instead of saying Yeras calls a churchas Hashem Rekam, they would actually say, Oh, since you mentioned the Torah Secha, we are now going to tell you all the mitzvahs that you have in the Torah. So these Azharos were were were, were being said. Uh, and, the, and it's interesting the Rambam didn't necessarily um complain about where they were being said. It was the content they were being said, and they were clearly being listened to, and people felt that they were very significant. Um, the way it works is, is that it is a um, Aleph Bays and then backwards. It's Aleph Bays and then Tashrak Lusirugan. So let me show you what it means. I, I, so here you have the Aleph and then the second line. Then you have the Bays. Then you have the Gimel. And there you have the Dalid and the Hay. There's your olive base. So the the it's not every line, but it's every other line. And this is the way it continues here: Vav Zion, Ches Tes Yud, and Kuf. Now it's interesting when it goes backwards. Once it actually goes all the way to Tuf, and then it goes back again. You can see here as example of how it goes back: Lamid, Kuf, Yud, Tes. Ches Zion, Vav Hey Dalit. Okay, so that is that is that was the order. Nothing too, you know, oh wow, but it was pretty novel for its time. Uh, how old is Atoin Chalta? So this happens to be a debate among the scholars of how old it is. Some say it is from 
um, the early 8th century. Some say it's the actually the 7th century, which very, very early in the period of the Gaonim. Um, Shadal, Shmudav uh wrote an introduction to the Italian Machser, a Machser of Roma, that this was being said, Musaf and Shruis, uh, even in his time. Uh, and he uh, is of the opinion that it might have actually been as old as the as right after the period of the Gonim, before the Arab conquest took over everything. He he thinks it might actually be uh, possibly in the in, in in the sixth century, which is even before the rise of Muhammad. The reason why Shadal says this is because it doesn't have any of the same type of poetic um, type of meter uh, that these later Pythonim have. So we're looking at something very, very early. Now, the thing I should mention here is that the Rambam, although he he might, in his community, this might have been something he was familiar with, this did not try to do anything about Taryag. It wasn't trying to mention all 613 mitzvos. Um, but it was mentioning mitzvos, but it wasn't necessarily trying to be exact. It's almost like the Rambam, if this was one of the, the Rambam doesn't mention this one, but if the Rambam in general hated them, if this is one of the ones the Rambam hated, this 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 uh, this anonymous poem that was written in the period of, of the early Gaonim, possibly, like, like, like even where the beginning of the, the Gaonic period, before we even have Gaonim the way we understand it, it's it's not necessarily the type of thing, as you can see in a minute, that's really that really lends itself to criticism. The way the Rambam attacks it, the Rambam attacked these the Bahag and and others or Sadia for a, a lack of intellectual rigor, uh, for counting one thing and not the other. I think as we read this, we'll see that these Azharos were pretty much fanciful. Not that they weren't true, but, for example, let's read some of it, and you'll see what I mean. You gave Torah to your nation, but just like a father to a son, um, you use them, really, to to sort of, like, keep us in line. In your right hand, of course, you wrote the the words, those dibros of, of life. And with your fingers, you fashioned mitzvos, which, of course, push us on the right direction. The, the punishments are great, and there's so many uh, exhortations. There's mitzvahs asay and mitzvahs los asay. There's dine momenos and dine nevashos. There's nesinas mum. And not only that, besides dinin, there's also punishing the person, like beating the person who has beaten someone else. Benosne mumim. Of course, that's, you know, if he doesn't have money to pay or if it's less than a shavapruta. Um, right, but but you know, because giving a mum to the person who makes a mum, we know that normally, of course, is you 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 pay money. So right, you only you only get hit for beating someone if it's less than a shavapruta. Um Hashoras Shoftim Bal Shochad Roshalomos. 
the Shoftim, of course, are told don't take, uh, don't take bribed, and 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 this way, even if it's uh, to to make an evil person die. Saval Shotrim, the Shotrim, of course, are commanded, Labal Hacker Bonim. They shouldn't necessarily uh, turn a blind eye and be kinder to one person more than another. Of course, that's also true by a Shofate, and not just a Shotr. But again, this was a way to for the poem to work. It's not exactly a poem, right? Because as you can see, uh, there's really no, right? There's, there's nothing here that rhymes. Right, you do right. It's sort of like Isuk Bezdin Barbamisos. Bezdin has to, uh, in other words, be involved and administer the four types of death. Averev, Averev, Oynish Every punishment, they have to know what the right Oynish is. Then Treifel Ahashlich. Again, that's your test. So it jumps really from, you know, the Korbanos, which I guess are connected because you are giving back the the Xela, and you're probably going to go in front of a Bezdin or something. And then you jump here to um, Trefa, because that's Tess. Trefa, that you should give the Trefa and the Nevelin cell to a Goy. Um, then, you know, you, you right after that, you mentioned about Chelev and Dam, which, right? Yayin Lenaseich Veshemen Lahadlik. Well, that's back in the Beis Amikdash again, right? <laughs> Yud is, is really not so connected to Tess. And this is talking about the wine that's used on the base of Mikdash, the oil that goes to the menorah, the Isar and the Shtei Alechem, and then you have Geres Kali V'Karmel, which L'Chorah has to do with uh, the Korban Omer, because that's the only one where you're going to have, uh, right? right? And then you have Kohanim, L'Shores, Levim, L'Shorer, Trumas Maestros, V'Ore Migrosh. So one of the things that stands out here is that you can't figure out what the Seder is about. So um, Rabbi Yona Franco, who uh, was a student of Rabbi Daniel Goldschmidt, who put together uh, in the mid and later mid part and towards the latter part of the 20th century, what I consider the most definitive, best versions of the Machsar that we have, um, he s- speculates that the idea here was sort of to replicate Parshas Kedoshim, Parshas Kiseitze, uh, Parshas Mishpatim, Parshas Kisisa, where we have a number of mitzvahs that sort of don't really mix with each other. And it's that that's really the way the Torah works. The Torah is also a hodgepodge where you have to sort of think about it, connect things. And therefore, he was like sort of whoever wrote this wasn't trying to be organized. He was specifically trying to be disorganized and sort of a way to sort of reflect the disorganization we sometimes find in the Torah. Now, of course, Eben Ezra and other Rishonim try to come up with rationales for all these things. And I do the same thing. Like, you know, it's a good, it's good fodder to make a good drosha from. But the fact remains that many of the, in many cases, we don't know why the Torah, uh, unlike the Eben Ezra, who I think was sort of, uh, it was sort of had to answer this because it, it it was problematic to him. They sort of thought this is the great mystery of the Torah. The Torah is sort of like, in in a way, we don't know which mitzvah is greater, like the like the Mishnah and Pirkei Avos says, right? We don't know which mitzvah is greater than another. You have to discover. So, it, in some ways, we're just going to, uh, you know, all of them, and, and, like like right. We're going to have Shatnis right next to after Echad Kamoch and other things like that. And okay. 
it, it's they we 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 specifically give you like a a maze for you to maybe to even hear that of how how multifaceted and how all over the place the Torah is. I know that doesn't sound so intellectual, but I think in, in, in a way it's 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 gripping. It's like wow, like you you, you know you and, and and it sort of makes you give equal significance to almost everything, uh, you know. And again, it doesn't really. I I I Chalta, which we're looking at, does spend more time on Saras than it does on other mitzvos. And it has like three lines about Saras, which is more than that it has over here uh, about, uh, you know, uh, sending the novella out or whatever, or about throwing the the, 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 the novella. And the reason is because the Torah actually gives us such long partios about Saras. So it, it could be they were just using the Torah, but making up its own order, not exactly following the order of the Torah. There's a number of clues here that this is a Babylonian, uh, is a Babylonian production. I'm gonna tariff isur tvua bashon ashlishes, the food of a tenth of the tvua in the third year. That's maisrani, lahotzi mm-hmm. uh, to take it out of the rest of the produce and give it bisharecha lasbia dalim for the dalim to be full with it. That's tess. Then you have ches halos peneel b'shivisimeyachag. Right after Maisrani, it talks about Shavuos. You should you should come to God on all seven days, which is obviously meaning in the Beis Hamikdash. We come with all Dalad Minim, but pre Eitzodar Ubikivus Arve Nachal. Then we have Zimra, that's our Zion. Zimra Vahalil Loseis Bahadas. Okay, which is that that there's a special mitzvah of doing Halel. With the Dawid Minim, the Rov Hadoyas Bekapos tomorrow. So not only do we bring the we bring the Lu of an Esrik to the Beis Hamikdash all seven days, but also all of us wherever we are when we say Halal on Shruos, we should be holding the Lu of an Esrog. Now, Viyomim Shmona Asar Velayla Echod Ligmor Bachan Esahalil. Now, that Bracha Ligmor Tahalil. For those of you that daven mm-hmm. among Sephardim or are familiar with the Sephardic Siddur, that is the bracha of Ligmor Tahalil. Now, the, why did the Sephardim make that bracha? They make that bracha because because the Gemara in, 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 in the Gemara in, in, uh, describes it in, I believe, in Masechus Megillah as a minag. This was a minag that Rab went down to Bavel and he saw them doing it. And since it's a minag, um, you don't make a brach on a minag. And the Rambam really, in, 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 when the Rambam speaks about this, the Rambam actually goes into great length uh, explaining why you can't, you don't make a brach on a minag. And although the minag is to say halel, it's without a bracha. But it's also when it's said, and when it's said during the uh, intermediate days, the, it's only half of halel. So Ligmor is is the bracha that they make to sort of say no. You know, we don't make a bracha on when it's less than eight days, when we don't say the complete halel. We're not going to make a bracha during the other days of Pesach. 
because there's no complete Havel. And that is all based on the Talmud Bavli. And Talmud Yerushalmi, the Talmud Yerushalmi doesn't mention at all the minag of saying Havel and Rishchodesh. And it doesn't mention anything about the days where we don't say a complete Havel. So in other words, according to Talmud Yerushalmi, these are the days you say Havel, and those are the days doesn't say, oh, these are the days we, we're Gomer the Hawel. Because in the Bavli from in Bavel, they knew that there was Minhagim of saying Hawel during the intermediate days of Pesach with not a complete Hawel during On Rosh Chodesh, and it's not a complete Hawel. So they knew about that. And Yushalmi didn't know about it and didn't recognize it. And therefore, if this author says, Ligmor that means it must have to be from Bovel. Make sure that the Ner in its time is not, not, it doesn't disappear from your Ohel. Now, does Beita mean during, during that period of the, the 30 minutes? Is that what it is? Um, is that what Beita means? Or does, or does it mean during the time of Hanukkah? Does it mean no matter what, don't, in other words, baltashpis? Like, it's a very strange term. And when it's time to light Hanukkah, don't, don't, don't stop doing it. So it sounds like to me like there's some danger involved. And you might say, oh, no, we're not going to do Ner Hanukkah. No, no. You're going to do it in your Ohel. But you will do Ner Hanukkah. So again, it sounds like this was constructed in a period. Um, like the Gemara says, uh, in Bavel and other places where there was a Sakana, where they lit in a different way. Um, it's interesting the way they deal with Rosh Hashanah, uh, this piet. Hamlicheyu alecha biyom hazikaro. Okay. Meaning, make him your king. Which, by the way, also only appears in the Bavli. Uh, the Bavli has this statement in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, say these psukim, that you're you're bringing, you're making God your king. We don't find that in the Yerushalmi, that that's the idea of Rosh Hashanah, that we are in a way coronating God or saying God is our king. So that sounds like a, a it sounds like a Babylonian idea uh, from Bavel uh, and based on Talmud Bavli. And it's interesting, the next thing here is, Oev Sholem, Verodev Sholem. It's like, yes, God is my king, but Oev Sholem, Verodev Sholem. It's not just, and therefore I'm going to do every mitzvah correctly. I'm going to be a good human being, and I'm going to do whatever I can to, to, to try to bring peace, go after peace. And act in a modest way. In other words, Imelokecha. Um, and again, you can see that's the that's the hay, <laughs> and for some reason, uh, we mention here the carbon of Seire Avodazora. <laughs> when a person forgets and does does the exact opposite thing, he somehow thinks he's able to do Avodazora. Uh, can you imagine? That's almost the opposite of being Mamlech Hashem on you. Is that you somehow think that you have the right to do Avodazora? Comes from the Babylonian milieu. Is the fact that the way the list of the five things that Pasol Shrita and here you can see them she addressa Iker. So this is something that was done in Bavel, um, and yet, as I said, it doesn't really have. 
the Taryag imperpetuer on it. Um, and you can see it's sort of a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's 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 not a difficult thing. It's the type of thing that you didn't have to be a great Talmud Chacham uh, to understand. It's a lot simpler than the Collier's, the Collier's constructions that we talked about last week. Before I get to Matzah, I do want to mention that Af writes that the first Sefer that we know had an introduction to it was the Bahag. The Bahag is the first work we know that's come down to us that actually has an introduction. Um, and from that point on, um, there were other introduction books, with, but this is the first one. Now, I've mentioned you before, there's a whole debate, what is the earlier book? Is the Lachas Psukos before the Lachas Gedolos? Is Lachas Gedolos really the source for the Lachas Psukos? Is the Lachas Gedolos written by Rabbi Yehudah uh, Was it written by Rabbi Shimon Kira? Was it a combination? Even after it was written, did other hands get involved? Some of these questions will never be answered sufficiently. They're all big questions in, in, in Jewish scholarship. But there's one thing that people don't realize, that maybe the Bahag's list wasn't written by the Bahag. Um, now, it, it, even if it was, there's an introduction to that list, which also doesn't indicate who the author was. But let's assume the Hakdam of the Bahag, which is called the Drush of How Great Torah Is, was also written by the same one who put the mitzvahs together. So now there's a change between this and Atoyin Chalta. Atoyin Chalta is a hodgepodge that throws everything at you, sort of the way the Torah does, but clearly, clearly in, 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 in many ways originally and sometimes incomprehensibly. The Hakdam of the Bahad tells us how important 613 mitzvahs are. And, and it's, again, one of the first works to elevate. It's, of course, it is a Gemara in Makos, but that doesn't mean that everybody up until this point was trying to figure out what are the 613 mitzvahs and where are they from and how, what's your list like and what's my list like. And if I count this, it, we all know that this was something that really, um, there might have been some uh, precedence to it before, before the Rambam, but it really only gets started with the Rambam and then the Ramban and then uh, you know loads of others. But what what begins the problem, of course, is that the Bahag in his introduction and then in his list tries to give you the six hundred thirteen minutes. Now, which is it, what, what's very strange about this? Before I get to some of the things that he mentions here is that he has 613 mitzvos, And he mentions the, that you know there's 365 losa say, 248 say. But then when he divides them himself, he doesn't divide them in the same way. He divides them into onchim. That's the first part. The ones that are partios in the story where people get punished, either with krisos or mises bezde. Then he has the uh, assays, for an individual, the Losa says. And then he has Parshios that, for example, like sending the Mitzorah out of the Machna or other things, which aren't really a mitzvah on one person altogether. There's sort of a mitzvah on the community. So that's the way the Bahag separates the mitzvahs into Onshim, 
and then uh, Los Essays, Los Essays, and then Parshios. And Sadiqon did the same thing. So on one hand, they were basing themselves on the Gemara in uh, in uh, Makos of 365-248. But then the actual division is very different. Uh, the Rambam, you know, and the Ramban and others were were much more exact. No, uh, this is a mitzvah asay. This goes with the asay, even though it's really connected not to one person; it's connected to the whole community. Or there's 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 a mitzvah asay to have the onish to make sure that you give skiwa to this person. Again, it's, it's weird that we even call that a mitzvah asay. Um, but again, the, the Rambam was sort of like going. Uh, you know, you know, in step completely with the Gemara and Makos, that this is an Asay and this is a Los Asay. The Bahag was different in, in that way, whoever, right. Now, what I was trying to get to before is that it could be that this introduction and even the list of the Taryag was not the same Machaber who who put together the 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 actual descriptions of the mitzvahs and and what we need to do and the sort of condensate the the condensing of the Talmud and other things that we find in the Bahag like the discussion about Sphiris Homer that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know who this author is. He, it was definitely attributed to the Bahag, but there's no indicator that it really was him. And 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 I think modern scholarship has, has 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 been skeptical, but in this introduction, which I believe is the second stage, that influenced all the other asaros, we it's 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 introduced by a, a, a number of wonderful midrashim and half midrashim. First of all, it talks about how the Torah is here before the world was created, and Hashayabo, God was sort of like enjoying himself with Torah, ad and that's what the Pasuk and Mishlei says. I was shashuim. I was sort of like God's plaything for yom yom, which means for 2,000 years, because the day of God is 1,000 years. So the Torah says, this, I have never seen. Again, they, they found this basic construct in the Pirkei the Rebelezer, but I find it a beautiful uh, I'm going to play with you anymore. I'm going to create people that will play with you. These people are going to enjoy you. I talked before about just enjoying the Torah and frolicking in it. Yeah, you're right, Bob. It makes sense if it's logical and one thing from the other, you could really enjoy it. But there's also the enjoyment of the chaos of Torah. That uh, we could be mishtasheya in Torah and, and fulfill the mitzvahs, right? It's almost like if you have a virgin, which the Torah was, and who's going to marry it? Who's going to be involved with it? Right? So the Torah said to, to God, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna create humans for me? You're gonna create humans that are gonna study me and, and be happy with me, and it's gonna be so much fun. So the Torah says back to God, make them like you. You know, no, it's make whoever it is, make them like in your image. Which again is we know that God like was messiahs with the malachim, but here you see it's almost like the Torah is sort of lonely and waiting for someone to play with it and be involved with it. And God says, "I've got some. Hu- I'm going to create humans that will be mishtashe with you." And the Torah says, "Make them godlike. Make them sort of similar to you." <laughs> then whoever this hakdom of, of the Bahag wrote, 
he mentions the fact that the 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 the, the drosha from Shirashirim Kavavatsaltalim, which literally means that the ends of their hair are like at the ends of the hair, it's like curls and curls at the ends of their hair, like a, a, a beautiful head of hair. That if you look at the ends of the hair, it's like ringlets that are like piled one on the other. So what's the medrash on this? That that's really going on the Torah. Shakol coats the coats on every little little coats, every little every little scratch there is of the Torah, like every little line that you have in the written Torah. There's tali talim shalalachos. There's mountains and mountains of alachos. Now. Then, oh, how do we know that? I'll give some example. So normally you would say, oh, there's so many secrets in every little part of the Torah that the Kabbalists, you know, have these great points about, about, and, 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 and. so the Baha'i gives you here some interesting examples, which sound very, you know, very, you know, very simple, but I, I thought it'd be worthwhile to read some of them. Ketzad, im tasaches. If you make a hey, if the ches becomes a hey, you can destroy the world. For example, we know we read in Parshas, uh, we read in Parshas uh, Emar, don't desecrate or really cause the name of God to become a chulal. Oh, well, maybe I'll read that. Do not, do not praise me. Do not praise my holy name. That destroys the world. And sometimes if the hay becomes a ches, you also could destroy a world. Maybe it should be every soul should be machalel God. Every soul should basically be a nihilist who's actually who's, who's pushing to, to say God's not around. Sometimes a Dalit, which could look like a Reish, you could destroy the world. For example, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Acher, like Hashem Elokeinu is a different God, is the Gnostic God or something? No! Now, sometimes the Reish can become a Dalit, you destroy the world. Echad, don't you bow down to that one God. Don't say that, it's got to be El Acher. You could destroy the world. For example, we know that Hosea gave Musr to, to the Jewish people. Bashem Bagodu. What were they? What did they do? They 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 betrayed God. Vim. So what would that be? How could we how could we change that? So im tase beis chof. So um ki Hashem Bogodu. What? Just like Hashem, you're a betrayer, and you you gave birth. You were just like God the way you betrayed things. No, God, that's being like God. <laughs> now, author was saying that when Hannah said "ain kadosh kadonoi," change that to "be." <laughs> There's no holiness like God in me. There's nothing except you. What do you mean in you? In because of you. There's no holiness like God, but it's all human-centered. Be within me, ain't built echa. There's there's nothing else besides you. If it's key, ain't built echa means it's a, an objective reality. But if it's be, it's only because what I'm doing ain't built echa. Then that that is a that is a destructive thing. So basically, you know, this haktama um, also mentions how great 
of Moshe Rabbeinu is, um, how incredible of a person he was. Um, it mentions, uh, you know, why the Torah has to be had to be given by Moshe Rabbeinu. And again, it's a it's a version a medrash that I wasn't familiar. with. Uh, the Torah was was like in a way, once again, like dancing, like a little child, like it wasn't like God was playing with it. It's like sometimes when a kid's not, when the parent's not playing with the child, the Torah was like just playing on its own. Like sometimes you see your kids or grandchildren just making up games on their own. That's what the Torah was doing. The Torah was waiting for a tick. What's the tick? The Torah was waiting for a container, not, not for the for, for human beings. The Torah needed a container. Who was that container? Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Shahatorah, the Torah's heel is modesty. In other words, the way you spread yourself through the world and walk through things is based on being modest. And the crown that you achieve is Yira. Uh-huh. So the heel is modesty, as it says, Ekev Anova Yira Sashem. The crown, of course, is also, of Yira is to reach Chochmah. The crown of Yira is Chochmah. And that's what you eventually get to. Now, who do we find in those Midos that are so grounded in modesty and, and self-abnegation, but striving towards feeling God's presence totally and completely? The Yira, who is that? That's Moshe Rabbeinu. And as we see, the sermon, the, almost the first time he meets God, by Yasser Moshe Panav, God, he was afraid. He had Yira. He, right, Moshe doesn't want to look at it. He doesn't think he's worthy. And, and, the, and he quotes the Chazal. Because he was afraid to look. So therefore, the Pasuk says, that they were afraid to come close to God. They, the hum, other rest of Christ was afraid to come close to Moshe. Because his fear of God meant others were, in a way, recognized who he was, were afraid to come close to him. Bishus that Moshe said, I, I can't talk. So he became the ultimate speaker between God and the Jewish people. And because Moshe hid himself, he was Zoha to have an incredible radiance on his face. Now, how do we know Moshe was so modest? Well, of course, the Pasuk says he was the most modest person. But we know, we see that modesty even without God telling us. Because God said to Moshe, go and you can do this. Moshe said, who am I? And what did he mean, who am I? What he meant was, I come from Levi, I know. But there's a lot of other people. There's a guy, Korach, I have a cousin. (laughs) He's great. There's other people. There'll be better leaders, right? A leader's got a lot of money, people respect. There's other leaders, and even in Mitzrayim, you wonder where they got Kesef and Zav. But these Leviim who weren't working, they also somehow had, somehow had money, even in Mitzrayim, and they would be much better leaders. So Moshe said, no. Um... A good name is much better. It's much better to have a name than a lot of money. Better than Kesef and Zav is Chain Tov. And you've got loads of that, my friend. He says, okay, okay. So, but you know what? I've got a brother, my older brother. So he says, you know what? Um, God said, 
no, the truth is, is that you are in a way the person that I am choosing. Um, you're the one that can be greater, even then came down to give the crowns and to basically give them a, an, 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 a, for every single mitzvah. And I think that might have what happened, that type of ideology, that type of uh, like midrashic imagery sort of makes that's what Shavuos became about, which is um, how every single mitzvah is important. And the Bahag's introduction does that. It sets the stage for Taryag, and it means all the other Asharos also are going to somehow end up with that number. There's a safer by uh, Rav Shmuel ben Yardoni called the Oel Moed. The, the Beis Yosef mentions this safer, and it was it, nobody had it. It's not what they didn't think it existed, but nobody could find it. Somehow, the, the Rishon with Zion, uh Avram Gagian in Eretz Yisrael, uh, had a manuscript that he finally published at the end of the 19th century. It was like a 600, it was 600 years that this Sefer didn't see the light of day. Nobody knew about it. The Beis Yosef mentioned it. And then we have this manuscript of this ancient sefer that was written in, in the same basic period of the Rosh in the 14th century from Spain, Mishmul ben Yardoni. And he mentions the sefer called Oel Moed, and he goes through basically the mitzvahs of Arachayim, and it's, 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 it's a wonderfully written sefer. It's a sefer that has been ignored because you know, you know, very few people had, uh, had access to it. But here's a description here uh, towards the end of Hilchas Pesach. And here's what he writes. Minagu latznia minamatzos shal Pesach l'chag ha-shvuos. There's a minag to save some of the matzos of Pesach for shvuos. So the first thing he says is, Zecher l'matzai shal tziyam Well, one second. Isn't that the reason why we eat matzos, you know, on the first night of Pesach? And people eat it throughout? because we're replicating what happened. But here, we know they ate matzah past seven days. They ate matzah, and that only happened really on, on Lag Bomer, as some sofer had figured out that it took a while till they were able to or till it turned out that they started having the mon. So they ate matzah, well, until about three days before that, until about the 15th of, of Eeyore. Okay, so why are we eating it on Shruis? <laughs> like it shows to show you they were still eating matzah. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden, without ever seeing the Sefer Oil Moed, says in his Siddur that there was a hamshocha of the power of, of Pesach that extended post-Pesach within the Yemea Sphira, and it, it, it continued. So it could be this minag that he's mentioning is talking about how matzah and its influence really is bigger than just Pesach and taking it out on Shruis and saying, you see, this matzah had power and now it's the next holiday, so here I am and we're going to eat it. Some say that's not the reason. The minag lirmos, it's hinting to the idea that this is really the Atzeres of Pesach. Even though Pesach has its own seventh day, which is called Atzeres, but Shvuas is the Atzeres of Pesach, like Shmini Shochag Avi Atzeres. Okay. Now, 
Shminyatzeres, of course, is a separate holiday, but in a way it imbibes and elevates everything that Sukkot was supposed to be and gives it into a different level. So this is the Shmuas is. So by having the matzah, similar, I guess, to the way people, some people sit on the sukkah on Shminyatzeres and Chutzloretz, here, by having the matzah, we recognize that, hey, this is really the connection to Pesach, that this is really the shleimus of Pesach. Okay. What else does he say? Vitovlin hamatzos b'meizafrin. Now, saffron. Now, saffron, again, was a very expensive spice, but in, in what the ways they sliced it very thin, and then they put it in a type of liquid, and it is sort of saffron water, and they would dip it just slightly in the saffron water, and then they would dip it into honey. So you had honey and saffron. And then they would eat it. And you would send it to the people that that you really cared for. Now why? Because there's something about that smell. There's something about that, that what wafts out of it. You just, you just feel good about it. It's just a very positive feeling that it makes. And that's what, of course, Torah does as well. And should you should have Sibach. Because the Torah is given on Shavuos. We know from the Pesach, and again, I guess that's also in Shira Shira, that it's sweet. Torah is sweet and wonderful. So the matzah has got the matzah has got honey and saffron in it, but it's matzah that we're talking about. Now, this minag of, of continuing with the matzah on Shavuos is actually found, was actually practiced by many that every Shabbos in between Pesach and Shavuos. They don't eat big, wonderful chalas. Maybe they have some of them, but they also have matzah at every meal. The Satmarov only had it on in Shachris. He'd have matzah in between Pesach and Shavuos. Yeishnogim le'echol matzah b'chol ha'yomim. Who was that? The Munkacher. The Munkacher Chaim Lozer Shapira from Munkach, actually every single night of the week, he would have matzah and chometz. He wanted, and on on Shabbos, he made sure to have a a, a chometz kogel and a matzah kogel. And he would actually give shirayim from the matzah. Now, what was the idea behind it? Now, so some say that these Rebbes had the idea that, well, we know how powerful the matzah was on, on, on Pesach. And the same way having matzah on Pesach was sort of like, uh, 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 was sort of like what you give to a, a, a sick person in order for him to get better. It's sort of a, uh, a colonic. Right. So in the same way, we're still not totally free yet. And, and, and it's still an incredible food. So we're going to have it during this whole period. But but you see that these Rebbes, whether they knew about this old minig or not, um, they would have it not just, again, now, did they have it on Shavuos? I don't know. But you have this idea of this extension. 
that matzah is not just something for Pesach. Samichal, they were tapping in uh, to that minag, which is quite, quite fascinating. Gedalia Oberlander uh, wrote a sefer on Minhagim, and he says that he did his research, and he was looking for the minag of, of eating milachiks on Shavuos. And the earliest he found it was in the northern part of France, Rabbi Vigdor Cohen Sedek, known as Rabbi Vigdor Hatzarfati. And he said, it seems, and this is like somewhat, I guess, in the, somewhat, I guess, would be the 13th century. He says that everyone's eating these plodin. Now, basically, these were, um, these were milka cakes. And you know, he brought a remez from it because if uh, if you look in the Pusik uh, in Parshas Pinchas, says Yom Abikurim, Bakrivchem Mincha Chadosh Hashem Bishvuoseichem. So again, the first three letters spell out the word Chalav. Anyway, so in northern France they had milachic, sort of what we say blintzes, and that seems to have been um, a minag in northern France. However. He mentions that in Provence, where we have the Archas Chaim and the Kolbo, we, we, what do we have here? The Minig Anshvuis is to eat honey and milk. Again, honey and milk, not so much milk, but milk and honey, because that's what the Torah is similar to. And then he quotes, Vinogu Bekol Yisro, to put matzah in Zafrin. So once again, we see in the Sefer Kolbo and the Orchaz Chaim that were also written in the 13th and maybe early part of the part of the, four, in the 14th century, uh, the same time as the tour, maybe even a little bit earlier, we find the idea of matzah, matzah and saffron. Um, so the, um, Orbelander theorizes that basically in Spain, the Minig was matzah. And it was matzah and saffron and matzah and honey. Nothing about milk. There's no mention of milk. In northern France, it was milk. <laughs> so Provence and the, became a place where it's sort of a combination. Right? That's what he says. It's sort of a, he says it's a combination of the two minogim. Uh, milk and also matzah. So you have matz. So really, what I'm trying to point out here is, is that everybody knows the minig of of, of milachiks on shavuos and cheesecake, but what seems to have arisen uh, concurrently and in some area more predominantly than milk or milk products was matzah. Yeah, not just dry matzah, matzah with saffron, matzah with honey, but this. Uh, but it seems like the 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 provenance of this minag is as old as the minag of eating, of eating uh, a Now, what happened is eventually the minig of 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 France and Germany uh, became more standard, uh, and Provence and Spain sort of got pushed away. To the point that we have this minute. And the Beis Yosef in Spain and, 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 and coming where he came from, Turkey, and then coming there to Israel, doesn't mention the minute of eating milachiks on Shuas, but it's, it's very much an Ashkenazi thing. But it's clear that there was something happening in Sfard where you had matzah, <laughs> that somehow matzah, the atzeres, matzah uh, somehow 
was the milachic minag, right? Like the minag of matzah and shavuos. I want to point. I want to posit here tonight is really an an equal to the minag of milachics. Now milachics obviously elbowed out the matzah minag, but they both pretty much come. Rabbi Shailevi Horowitz, quoting the Tolas Yaakov, who was a, a Lurianic Kabbalist, that says that we know that Shvuos is bigger than this world. Shvuos, which is after the 49 countings, is similar to Yovel. And, and Yovel, we know, is after the, the whole series of seven by seven. And that all the the the, the all the circles uh, and, and and periods that the plans are supposed to exist, we know that there's going to be a world after everything, where there's going to be a, a, a destruction, and then a rebirth. And what's going to be in that world? That world is called the world after the Trias Amesim. and the body will be in that world. Not like the philosopher said, the goof and the nefesh are together. And they are going to somehow be involved in a in a in an eternal, unending meal, intellectually and 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 satisfying, and it's going to be like Adamarishon and even greater, with the goof and the nefesh. And that's why in Shuvus we have chametz in the Shtei Alechem, and we have the matzas which come with the other korbanos, because the chametz is connected the goof. And the matzah is connected to nefesh, and both of them now are have their role in the base of mikdash on shuvus. And he says that, and the reason is, is because we want to indicate that the world is eventually going to come to a place where the body and soul will together benefit and 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 realize an ultimate elevation in God. So you need to have the opposites. You need to have the matzah to represent the pure soul in order to go with the chametz. And that's of course the reason why you have the um that's why everyone says everybody says on Shavuos you need to eat. Even Rebel Yezer ben Urkinus, who says that you can spend your whole day learning Torah, says on Shavuos you must eat, because even as great as Torah is, the body needs to have its space in order to indicate the level of what Shavuos is meant to be. And he says that's why he says you have the minig kadmon. Now, the Chidah died in the early part of the 19th century, the 1809. I'm not exactly sure the exact date right now, but, but he says this has been a minakadmon that they would eat matzah and anshvuas, matzah and chomes, which was a remis to the gufen nefesh. And he says, I found it in the kolbo, that's the one I just showed you about eating saffron, that they ate matzah. Um, there might be other reasons the Chidah says. And he says it could be because we know from the Zohar that there's matzah and mitzvah. Matzah 
is what we had in Mitzrayim. The Zohar says it took us a while to get mitzvah. But first we had to be a selfless people that were affected by the miracles of Mitzrayim. And that was matzah. Mitzvah only happened when we were commanded by God at our Sinai. And therefore, matzah is what made us capable to later get the messages of Harsinai and all the mitzvahs. So therefore, the matzah was the beginning. So it's only through matzah that we get mitzvah. So we have the matzah there to say, buddy, you're the thing that did it. <laughs> if it wouldn't be for you, we would never have been there. And that's part of the reason why he says we eat the matzah on Shavuos. The next thing he says is sort of a chap. We know that when you are redeemed, you can redeem a slave. But if you redeem a slave and when you pay for him, you say, but I'm paying the money for him, but in order for him to be to me, my slave. So even though you pay the money, he becomes your slave immediately. So, which is exactly what God said. God said, I'm taking you out, but you're going to be serving me. That's the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to serve me at Har Sinai. That's, that's exactly what, what he told Moshe. They're going to be serving me on this mountain. And that's exactly what we, the, the first of the Seres Adibros, Asher Hotzi Sicha Meeretz Mitzrayim, means Almenas came. I took you out to make you an Evid. So he says, we know Matzah is not only was they ate when they left Mitzrayim, they ate Matzah as Avodim. So therefore, since this is the day that we, in a way, are eating Matzah, it's also a day of to show our avdus. <laughs> so the same way the matzah is like ha we have the matzah as a simon that we are avodim to Hashem. And that's the reason why we can we can give you the Torah. So this matzah is sort of like ha when we're bringing it out. So this is uh, a, a, again, how back, how far back does it go? Does it go back to the time of the Gonim? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I can't say that it does, but it it seems like it was already a minug in the 14th and 13th century, and that was something that was well known. So, as I said, I think it's something that that uh, it, it's it, it sounds like you should actually not. I now know why I always buy so much shmur matzah. I always end up buying too much shmur matzah, and we have the shmur matzah boxes and boxes around for weeks. Uh, now I know why. <laughs> the matzah was meant to be, to have something left over to bring to the Shavuos table. We should all enjoy uh, Shavuos with our families, whoever we can be with, um, and bring some matzah out this time. Bring some matzah. Dip in some honey, some saffron. think that uh, you'll Walmart. be... In a, anyway. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.